working on today, verse 1 through 12. And now here's the thing. You're free to talk back. You're free to ask questions. You're free to communicate any kind of way you want. I'm just going to go through the process. If you want to interject, ask questions, we want to search the scripture together, feel free. Because that's the only way we're going to grow together as a body and be able to gain understanding and knowledge and the other chapters and verses in the Bible that actually tie into it to, uh, to validate it. Not just validate it, but to also give a better light and understanding according to it. So, Beatitudes. Anybody think they know what Beatitudes mean? Without your phone, though. Not your dream. You your phone. Without Googling. What do you think Beatitude means, Lyle? Did you start the podcast? What do you think B-attitude means? What do you think B-attitude means? No. It's right there on the screen. Just, just to let you know, it's right there. B-attitudes is not only what you would say. To me, back in the old time, we would say blessed attitude. An attitude of being blessed. My, my state of what God is blessing you with. But the B-attitudes is a supreme Blessedness, also known as, it's right here, happy and blessed. It, but why it says supreme blessedness is because God is going to fully develop his blessedness around you. And now I'll give you another question for you two. What do you think blessed me? What is blessed? What is blessed to you? Okay. What do you think blessed is, Trokan? The world uses a lot of different words. Lucky, fortunate. Same thing as being blessed. It's, it's, it's receiving some form of reception. See, the Bible says Mary was called blessed. She said you're blessed among all women. Because he blessed her, he gave her the divine son, Jesus Christ. He placed it. He says, Adam was blessed because Adam believed God. He believed in God, made him blessed, meaning God and man came together and he received from God. He said, I'll make your, your, your uh, seed more than the stars of heaven, more than the sands of the sea. Adam and Eve, the Bible says, God blessed them and then told them to be fruitful and multiply. So God's, God put something there to give them the opportunity to develop more. See, Blessed from God is receiving from God. God is offering something to us in the form of blessedness. Supreme blessedness. That's what Beatitudes mean. Extremely blessed. Extremely. And the reason why he wants us to know we're extremely welcomed to him. Extremely accessible to his heavenly gifts. Extremely capable of receiving from him. Extremely open and, and also uh, qualified to receive from heaven is because of this chapter here. Qualified. Receiving his blessings. Here he comes. Get no baby. Alright. Cool. He can play. It's okay. Okay. So Beatitudes, chapter 5, the book of Matthew, chapter 5. And we'll start verse 1 and we'll work our way down. Let me see this. There we go. And it's kind of small, I'm sorry. But there it is right there. For those that can see it from that distance, I apologize for those that cannot. So we'll get started. And we'll try to gain understanding. No, we won't try. God will bless us to gain understanding from these chapters and these verses so we can get a little bit deeper into what he's talking about. So verse 1, it says, And seeing, this is Jesus doing this, this is Jesus. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. When Jesus saw the crowd, this is something we have to understand too. When we see the multitude, the people all around us, it is our duty to elevate, go up, so that we be able to understand the people around us. If we're all standing eye level and there's somebody in that crowd with a weapon and we don't know where they are, the only way to spot them, it's not the safest way, and you'll find out why it's not the safest way, verse 12. 
but it's not the safest way, but it is going to be the proper way to pinpoint who's got the weapon. You got to know the people among you, and you got to gain understanding of who's around you. And when you go up and people follow you, those are the people that God put around you to grow on that higher level. Jesus went up, and the Bible says, and the disciples, his disciples came unto him. They came up with him. That's how you know. And disciples, those are people that are disciplined. Those are people that is called disciplinaries. Those are people who have disciplined themselves. That's why they're disciples. Those are people that discipline themselves to be able to even go up. Those people that discipline themselves to be able to actually stand with Jesus. That's our opportunity now. We have to discipline ourselves in order to go up that mountain. To move up, to elevate above the multitude. Because the fact is we're already down there with them. We're in that standing ground. But to make yourself known or to make Jesus known in your life, you have to be willing to follow Jesus up. So you have to be willing to do whatever he said do and whatever he did to get to that point. So verse 1, one more time. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. Once he was set, right when he got there, now I'm stable, I'm set. Then whoever's supposed to come, they come. And, and the Bible says in verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Jesus didn't just move up. He shared the information for that level. See, whenever God brings us in another place, we have to learn to share that information on that level. Whenever God teaches you something new, in order to get more from him, see, when the Bible says, when you give, it shall be given unto you, that's an information from God saying, the more of me you share, the more of me I'm going to give to you, otherwise the Bible's not telling the truth, but it is. Because God says, give and it shall be given unto you, what? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give it to your bosom. What he's saying there is, if you get a pot, you fill it up with berries. You shake it around until the berries are settled so you can put some more on the top. But you don't just put them on the top. You put so many more on the top that it starts to overflow. I went too far. Then I, I went backwards. Okay, there we go. And so what God is saying is when you get out what I taught you, that means what he said is discipleship. Being disciplined enough to come up and hear it and also to receive it and also to release it. That's our job. So he says he begins to open his mouth and he taught them saying, verse 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, when you read it, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What do you think poor in spirit mean? Anybody? Part of it. This is part of sad and broken. But, but what it's saying is this. Poor in spirit is poor in courage. You know, take spirit. Take courage. Poor in courage. Poor in, and what it's saying is lacking spiritual understanding of God's way of resolving the issue. Poor in your spirit. But God is giving you courage. He ain't, he's not just giving you the answer because the answer is in the wall. The answer is in the consistency. The answer is in the searching the scripture and studying the Bible. See, he's not just going to give it all to you. He's telling you, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What he's saying is, don't knock people that don't have the courage. Don't knock people that are weak in spirit. Don't knock people that don't understand the knowledge of the Bible. Don't knock people that kind of got it wrong because you could very well be talking to somebody who's going to go to heaven anyway because he said so. Amen. He said theirs is the kingdom of God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They're going to make it at some point because God comes to the brokenhearted. God fills up those that lack courage. God restores those that are weak and weary. He says, so let the weak say I'm strong. So if the weak have to say they're strong, it sounds like a lie. But the Bible also says, say those things that are not as though they are. Because when you speak it out of your mouth, the atmosphere receives it. It alarms God's ear and he manifests it in you. 
that your faith is there. That's the key. You've got to not judge the weak in the word of God, but you have to be like the disciples that follow Jesus. You got to go up. Amen. And when you go up, you got to do like Jesus. You've got to open your mouth and teach. You're doing it. Do it with that, do it with that stuff you're doing. Teach. Don't knock them. Don't beat them up because what you're doing, you'll be hitting heaven. Because if heaven is in earth, let it be done in earth as it is in heaven. If heaven and earth is combined, you don't want to be fighting heaven. Just because somebody lacks the knowledge. Battle's not for the flesh. Yeah, amen. That's right. Because when the Bible talks about Nineveh, and Jonah was saying, God, why in the world do you want me to go tell them? And then he says this. He says the most human thing. What if I tell them and they repent and then and you never uh, destroy them? They don't think I'm lying anyway. God said, have you not seen Nineveh? He said, Nineveh are an unlearned people who cannot distinct from right and wrong. They were illiterate. The whole group. God wanted them to hear something to prove to Jonah how somebody considered illiterate or poor in spirit. How they will receive God. When Jonah came there, Jonah said, hey, look, God's going to destroy this place. And the Bible says everybody, including the animals and the children, fasted. They didn't feed the animals or the kids. Saying, hopefully God will forgive us from this because of what he said. God turned his wrath around. They were restored. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not because they're smart. Because they're born in spirit. God loves the people that don't understand him. Because they're like a baby. My son didn't understand nothing. Ten months ago, he hardly understand anything now. I will take care of him. My house is his house. So when we don't understand nothing, God will take care of us. His house is our house. He's cuddling us in until he teaches us the sincere milk of the word. That's why we can't get into that battle where the enemy has rattled some of our friends and family mind to make them think otherwise. Because when we are fighting against them, we're fighting heaven. But the key is to follow Jesus up that mountain, become disciples, or disciplined by his word, and then open your mouth. And the Bible says, and teach. Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 4. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We've all mourned. You've mourned. You know what it's like. But it's not just saying comforted in the form of, oh, my condolences, our time we heal it, and it gets a little better. It sucks. But the truth of the matter is, when you know that heaven is accessible for you, it starts to alleviate the mental stress behind the pain. The pain is still there. But when you know that you have a heavenly father who is welcoming you up, whether you're dumb or whether you're smart, he's willing to take you. If you're smart, he expects you to be a disciple that went up that mountain. If you're dumb or poor in spirit, he expects you to understand, people to understand that you're still chosen by God to receive his heaven. Amen. Now, some people won't because they won't walk that way. doesn't take that away. But some people just don't understand. That's why it takes a Jonah to go into the land and say, hey, look, God is ready. We got to have that spirit, that personality, that desire to go and say, hey, look, people, God said turn and watch him turn faster than we do. Because that's the way God made it. Mourn, broken, torn, Lazarus mourn. Not Lazarus, but all the people around Lazarus look more. Lot was grieved in his spirit when Sodom and Gomorrah. That's mourning inside. David's child was about to leave earth from Beersheba. He mourned. But he fasted, and that brought him closer to God. And when God takes away that pain and that stress and that worry, because the joy of the Lord becoming your strength it causes you to be able to feel the comfort of the Lord because the Holy Spirit is called what? The comforter. So if you have the Holy Spirit, you will be comforted even when you're broken. I didn't have energy to stop crying on the day of our dad's funeral, but I sure prayed him in. At the end, I made sure that I was the one to pray while they lowered him in because the comforter showed up for me. And I felt strength from the Lord to stand. So we've got to be able to understand the blessed attitude, the beat attitude, the supreme blessedness. 
God says when you mourn, Holy Spirit is going to show up. That's the comforter. God said if you're poor in spirit, I'm still going to interest you into coming into heaven. I'll still open the gates for you to enter in. And when Jesus has moved up, the Lord has allowed us to have the same discipline, discipleship, to move up to the same level. And as he begins to speak to them, he wants us also to teach that message. Let's go into verse uh, 5. And blessed is the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. People call mistaken meek for weak. The people that, like Paul said it in the Bible, I write, and when I write, I write these scriptures, these epistles with power. I'm paraphrasing it. Because I want people to read their Bible and find what I'm talking about. So by the time you get there, you gain way more knowledge than this little phrase I'm giving. And God develops you even beyond me so you can teach me. So Paul said, I write with power, but when you see me, I seem weak. I seem lonely. But that's what it is. The meek inherit the earth because though we may appear to be incapable or unable or not thug enough, God is defending us so we get to inherit the territory because when we get there, God has already made the way. We inherit the territory all around us because God goes before us and prepares the way. Supreme blessedness. Happy and blessed. He's already there. So whenever someone's putting you down, notice how it pushes you just a little bit further along. Because the Bible lets you know, be careful for what you say about a person. Because if you say something bad about a person that even I was going to condemn, I'm going to turn it around. I'm not even going to do it. So ultimately, when you're meek, people are going to call you weak. And that's really the catalyst. That's the energy. That's the source that propels you forward. To possess and inherit the things around you. Because God expects. The Bible says we're sin about. That means it developed and grew. Grace does more so about. Meaning God's mercy overshadows all of the things that we think we can do wrong. When we're caught in a sinful nature. God is going higher and higher and higher above it. To stop it from tapping out and destroying you. Yeah. He wants to come down on top of that sin. He wants to remove it. He wants us to know that your sin can win if I'm involved. That's why he has to be involved. He's involved in our lives today. That's how we're here today. Let's go on. Verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Not fed. Filled. Complete. Because here's the, here's the understanding of the word of God is if you really want to know what God has been saying and doing from the beginning of time, you got to want it. If he said hunger and thirst, he's talking about you want it to fill you up and you want it to rehydrate you. You want it to give you sustenance to grow and develop and you also want it to keep you sustained through dry land. There's going to be times when you go to a church or miss church ten times. You're going to need that word of God to be water inside of you. Amen. There's going to be times when you can't, read, you don't have your Bible on hand to read. You're going to need that that Bible to become food and manna inside of you. Angels' food. Jesus flat out said, "I am that manna." Don't get it twisted. And in the in, when they were in the wilderness, there's a mystery there. The Bible says they drank from a rock. But they, it was an 11-day journey. But they were so messed up in their mind that God made them walk in unknown circle for 40 years. And Jesus was a rock in the midst of them giving them water. Because Jesus said, I was that rock. Amen. Moses only got in trouble because he hit Jesus. He hit him. God said, speak to the rock. He struck him. And God said, oh, I can't let you in the promised land. I'm going to let you look at it. There it is. You got to go sit down. You didn't hit my boy. You got to go sit down. Jesus said, I'm yeah, You can't hit a baby. Daddy's going to come. And that's what happened. And there was a tree in the garden, in the garden of Eden, the tree of life. Jesus said, I was that tree. I've been there all alone. In the garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve made the mistake and had to hide themselves, the Bible says, and the voice of God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Voice don't walk. But Jesus said, I was that voice. 
So you got to understand, he kept showing up in different ways in the Bible from the beginning to try to redeem us from our own curse. He's always been there. That's why it's very important for us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Here's the key. How do I know that? The comforter came and taught me to study the word. It made me hungry for the word of God. So that when I don't have my Bible, my mind is full of the word of God. My heart is full of the word of God. My soul is full of the word of God. And when I don't have, when I start feeling weak, I quote the word of God and my body feels like it's drinking water. I become quenched by the word of God. That's what you got to do. Hunger and thirst so you'll be feeble. Because at any point, the enemy can come and try to overthrow us. But when you start saying, thus saith the Lord. Oh yeah. That's when you get redeemed. Because that word of God is the sword of the spirit. The devil is a spirit. That's the only way to defeat him is with the sword. Because the second he comes at you, you speak life, death can't remain. You speak light, darkness can't remain. You speak holiness, sin can't remain. You got to speak according to the word of God and the enemy cannot fight against that. The Bible talks about when the enemy came on the mountain while Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted of the devil. He tried to talk to Jesus, cast yourself down. Jesus quoted the word, tempt not the Lord thy God. He said, turn this rock into bread. He said, man should not live by bread alone. This is a weapon he's using against the enemy. He's striking back at him. He said, I'm not going to pay attention to you. I've already got my answer in the word of God. The enemy says, look at all this. Look at this kingdom. If you only bow down and worship me. He says, you should worship the Lord God alone. And no other God shall you serve. Once he had said this to the enemy, the enemy had to flee. Therefore, the sword works. Because the Bible says, if you will resist the enemy, he will flee from you. That's the power of the word. That's why you got a hunger and thirst. I don't know these scriptures other than the fact that it's in my soul. See, I, I'm in the Beatitudes. I was poor in spirit. And so the kingdom of heaven came down and introduced itself to me. I was meek in my heart. So the inheritance of the world became mine. I mourned in my spirit because of my own foolishness and lostness. And guess what? God comforted me with his spirit, the comforter. So once again, you got to understand, the first one, heaven comes. The comforter comes. Then God gives you the ability to inherit the land around you, letting you know that as you walk, I'm already there. See, what he's doing is developing a man or a woman in him with a beatitude, supreme blessedness, happy and blessed. Hallelujah. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. All you got to do is ask. Now, I want to give you one other verse that's not up there before we go any further. No, 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 no. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll go to the next one. We're going to continue on. We're going to do verse 7 to 12. Verse 7. Bless are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Now, the thing is, your kindness and your love toward people, it's really your natural personality. Your natural kindness toward people is going to give you the same result from God because the Bible says for those that are forward, God is forward with them. For those that are wicked, God is wicked with them. What it is is God is mirroring them based on what they're doing to others because he wants them to understand the effect of what they're doing to people is causing the same effect. If you're beating on somebody, you're going to get beat on. That's why the Bible says, judge not unless you be judged with the same measure that you judge because he wants you to understand the effect of what you're doing to other people. So you got to understand that. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. This is the ultimate reason why. You have to share your kindness and your love for you just like filling up their bank account. Fill it up for when you mess up. Because you're going to need that mercy. Oftentimes, I'm fighting strong for the Lord. I'm running straight forward, getting it down, packed, standing for the Lord, and I mess up. And I sin. But then God brings back to memory, to my mind, you have supreme blessedness. You've been kind to people. I'll be kind to you. So you've got to understand the body of the beatitude God is structuring. He's putting something together so you can win in the end. 
When you are good in your heart or in your actions towards somebody, but you've made a foul mistake, you need God to heal you. you got to bring back to his memory, according to many people in the Bible that has done it, you have to say, God, remember, please. I am a filthy man, filthy woman, and I've had mercy because I knew it was good. Please have mercy on me. And God will return that favor because it's written right here. In the supreme blessedness, the Beatitudes. Verse 8. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall, blessed are the pure in heart, forgive me God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now the Bible lets you know that no man has seen God at any time. The Son has revealed him to us. Because God was living inside of that body with Jesus to let us know that I am among you. That's why it's called God with us. Amen. Emmanuel. That's why. But you've got to understand the Bible said the pure in heart shall see God. He's trying to give you the key that the pure in the heart is the one that makes the body, the mind, the soul, and the actions function properly until the end time. And he comes and take you home. You will see God. For the eyes of man shall behold the Lord in the end. But no sinner shall see God. The Bible says so. They will be cast into outer darkness. Angels are going to take them away. They get a quick express trip to outer darkness. But the saints get to see the Lord. How do you get that pure heart? We got to get there. So I'm going to go to uh, uh, Psalms 50. Mark it in your mind. Psalms 50. Or I think it's 51. Verse 10. Yeah, Psalms 51, verse 10. Where it's no doubt, it's, uh, uh, this is David speaking, King David. The Bible says David is a man after God's own heart. David says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David was in a time where the Holy Spirit of God was not given unto all men so liberally, but somewhere along the line, based on him having the oil poured on his head, he received the anointing from God, which is God's Holy Spirit, and he, David was messing up. David was messing his life up. So he had to ask God, look God, please, in me, new heart, clean heart, pure heart, don't take your spirit and renew a right mind in you. What he said is, Lord, I got off track. Now I'm thinking wrong. Please help me to get back on track in my mind. Don't take the Holy Spirit. That means I'm gone forever. And please renew that spirit in me. Don't take it from me. Purify my heart. That's how you have a pure heart to see God in the end. You have to ask. Because if you ask, you shall receive. You're not going to be open. You seek and you shall find. The Bible says God will withhold no good thing from them that father that live upright. No good thing. If you ask, he's going to give it to you. You gotta ask him for the purity of your heart. Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. A lot of people see Gandhi, and a lot of people see the Dalai Lama. A lot of people see Mother Teresa. And one thing you can definitely say about them is they were about peace. I don't care if you don't meet, if you never met them. They were about peace. If you see Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., you think about him as a revolutionary. You think about him as a man who stood up. You think about him as a man who had a dream. You think about that, but when you think about Teresa, when you think about the Dalai Lama, when you think about Gandhi, you think about peace. See, will your life legacy be that you kept peace? Will God see that in you and will man be able to say that about you? They were a peacemaker. Because the peacemaker, according to the scripture, are called the children of God. So what God is really saying is whatever the situation is, you have to humble yourself. That's why the meek shall inherit the earth. Humble yourself. And you're going to get it. God's going to give you the prize. See, he's telling you it's not worthless. It's not worthless to be the person who's humble because the meek is going to inherit the earth. I'm already preparing it for you. So you have to be the one to think about, okay, what is the way, the best way to resolve this issue, leaving a smile on 
everybody's face. Supreme blessedness. Beatitudes, happy and blessed. The Bible says happy and blessed is the person who keeps the peace. For they shall be called the children of God. Happy and blessed are the poor in heart. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. These are the things God is saying. You're happy and blessed. Supreme blessedness. So you've got to be able to de-escalate situations in your life with only one intention in mind. And that is to have peace with the person. Peace with God and peace within. If a person claims to know something that you don't agree with, doesn't mean they're wrong just because a nine looks like a six and a six looks like a nine based on what side you're standing on. Doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means that they are poor in spirit. They don't have the understanding, the knowledge, or the courage that God said the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So what God is doing is he's covering all the bases. Make peace with those that don't understand because they don't understand that I'm still willing to welcome them in. He's building the body of the beatitude. The body of supreme blessedness. Verse 10. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now these things here, that's God talking again. Blessed are those people that stand out there on the street corners with that microphone preaching that gospel because they're being persecuted. We'd be like, oh, that's a strange way to do it. But that person feeling God in their soul and they don't want to hold it in. They don't need a, a license. Well, a lot of them have it. But they need to get out there and say something. But God is saying, I welcome them in. Blessed are them that are persecuted for righteousness sake. People talk down about all of us all the time. I don't even know what they're saying about me, but I'm blessed. I have supreme blessedness. Happy and blessed. Because somebody's doing something and God still welcomes me in. Kingdom of heaven. It is our opportunity to have that life within us. That's verse 10. Verse 11. Blessed are ye. So God is talking directly to us through Jesus. He said, blessed are you when men shall revile you. Oh, look at this text. Oh man, that irritates. You should have seen all the things they used to do. It's pointless, but blessed are you? Supremely blessed, happy and blessed. When men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you, falsely, for my sake. Verse 12. Let's stay there. Let's stay there. Verse 11. Now, a lot of the times we have an opinion about people. I've done it myself. I'm super guilty. So I would call myself poor in spirit even right now because I have to get more knowledge and courage to let go of those habits, those habitual things that constantly move in me. Revile you. Persecute you. Speak all manner of evil against you falsely. A lot of the times people don't think it's falsely, but think about this, David. Have I ever spent the night in your body? I've never been your soul. You've never been mine. We can never have a full concept of not one single human being other than ourselves. But God gave us an avenue to have a full concept of a human being slash Lord of heaven. Jesus Christ who had opened himself up physically, spiritually, mentally to give us all of the knowledge of him so we can walk in back. He wants us to have that mindset in us that's in Christ Jesus to know him and not to judge a person based on what we think we know. I don't care if you came and punched me in the mouth. I cannot tell you why you did it, even if you tried to tell me why. I'll never understand because I'll never be your soul. Amen. So how can we judge a person when we ain't the person? And ourselves have been in so much filthy sin and so many conflicts that how in the world can we even judge ourselves? We don't know what we're doing most of the time. This thing is twisted. We got to have the mind of Christ. How do we do it? When he goes up the mountain, we better follow. When he starts teaching, we better listen. And when he's done teaching, we better start teaching. And when the poor is there, don't judge him. You're fighting heaven. You've got to be careful. Verse 12. Rejoice. So he that got us through the Beatitudes. He didn't already told us how we're supremely blessed in this land if we pay attention to the aspects of righteousness, now he wants us to lift up his name because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when you want power inside of you, you're going to have to start rejoicing in the Lord. So he says rejoice. He said give me praise now. 
I taught you everything. Now praise me. And I'll continue to do it. Rejoice. And be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now here's what you know about the prophets before us. That not one of their chapters ended early because of what somebody said or did. Not one verse ended early because of what somebody said or did. God brought them all the way through, redeemed them, and even thousands of years ago, in a different land, we know their name now. Because God didn't let their name be erased. They're permanently here among us because the Bible says we have many clouds of witnesses. We call them spirits, but the Bible don't call nobody no spirit. The Holy Spirit, the evil spirit, God has an additional seven spirits around him which we don't even talk about. We ain't got there yet. The meat has to come. The milk has to get drunk up before we get to the meat. God has seven additional spirits. That's what we got to start getting to the knowledge of. If you want to hunger and thirst after righteousness, start desiring those mysteries of the word because if you thought the one spirit was the only one, that's why you got to be careful how you say it. God, give me your spirit. Which one? I have about seven or eight more up here. Which one do you want? Be careful. We want the Holy Spirit of God, the one that is the comforter, to redeem us. But see, you got to be careful with that. We got to rejoice because that reward. We have to understand the process of the be attitude. See, we are the salt and the light of the world. And when it says we're Israel, that means we're the chosen of God. Because the Bible says we are in the adoption. God took us in. And we're the royal priesthood, meaning every single one of us have power and authority here on earth as though we're in heaven according to the Bible. And we are of the purity of God and the holiness of God, the capability to speak to God, and the capability to use the power of God here on earth. We're of the royal priesthood. Now, the Bible says we are the salt of the world, but if the salt has lost its savor, its flavor, its potency, we're within the world we salt. That means when you take this word and you start mixing it up because somebody don't feel right about what you said the first time. No, no, no. You, you're adding water to the salt. And you're starting to take away the potency. You say the dust said the Lord. Because if you take your sword of the spirit and begin to break it and dull the edges, every swing you make is not going to affect the enemy because you dull the word of God. You've got to be solid. You gotta take every word and use it. The Bible says men were gnashing upon Stephen in the Bible, in the book of Acts. Gnashing upon him and biting him and killing him. They're killing him at this point. And the Bible says Stephen looked up and said, Behold, I see the Son of God sitting on the right hand of God. He had the eyes to see beyond the circumstance of this world, the trouble and the pain and suffering to see into the heavenly place even while he was dying. And I brought this case up before. Jesus was at the scene of a crime. He was at the scene of a murder. It just so happens that the murder was him. They were killing him, and Jesus, knowing God is the judge, Jesus became the jury and said, not guilty. Forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. What he was saying is, forgive them, Lord, for the poor spirit. They're blessed because they're poor in spirit. Amen. He's letting them know. They don't understand what they're doing. They're poor in spirit. Lack of courage, lack of knowledge of the spirit. God's spiritual aspect. Jesus put together the whole Bible in these 12 little verses of the Beatitude. But when you've got the anointing and the spirit of God in you, you get to see that. Forgive them. They know not what they do. And how beautiful it was, was they had the opportunity to repent. And the Bible says, when Jesus went down into the grave, he said, he, everyone that believed him, he set him free. So that means every single, people want to debate the end of, well, does Samson go to heaven? That's suicide. Well, when Jesus went down there, Samson was down there. And I'm sure Jesus, uh, Samson already knew about Jesus. And I'm sure Samson was fighting under the power of God. So when, G, when he seen Jesus come down, he already knew he was the power of God. So therefore, yes, he believed. That's an opportunity to come out of darkness into light. That's our opportunity. 
but you gotta understand you're a royal priesthood. Royal priest mean clean yourself. Put away the sin. That goes for me. That goes for everybody. Put away the problem that's keeping you from the access of heaven in your crown. If you're the salt, you better stay strong. You better keep this word right here. I don't care if it's one verse you know, you better swing that verse. Period. And if you're the light, don't go under nothing. What he's saying is don't hide the truth of who you are. Don't confess to be Christian in the closet, but don't come out and show that. You ain't got to run around with a Jesus shirt on, but if somebody's talking to you, they better recognize you're not a bona fide sinner. They better recognize you're making a change because it's a step. You can't do it all overnight, but it's a step. It's a one, two, three, four. It's got to be steps. That's why the Bible says for him that endures to the end. You got to just keep on going. You got to endure to the end. And the Bible says run the race patiently with patience. You don't have to run. It's not given to the what? The strong? Nor is it given to the swift. But to them that endure to the end. Your light has to start to growing more and more. The Bible says unto the new day. That means it's going to be brighter and brighter and brighter. That's the Lord's will. And this is the other thing. And we know truly we are loved by God. We are loved by God. The Bible says it's not that you love God, but that he loved you first. Because while you were yet in sin, Christ died. While we were still in sin. So the Beatitudes is to give you an understanding of how to conduct yourself. The process of what God is bringing you through. The fact that you are supremely blessed. And you should also understand how to be happy and blessed. Even while you're going through these things and at the end of it, getting the understanding, you need to show God some praise so he can increase your joy and your strength. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Bible says rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. So what I'm going to do is unconventional. I'm going to read all 12 one more time and just let that sink in. And Lord, give us the knowledge, understanding of this word. Don't let it slip from our minds and our hearts and our souls, but let us increase in it every single day so we can war a perfect warfare, showing Jesus Christ in everything we do and living holy in this land, teaching others to do the same. So, verse 1, and seeing the multitude, that's the people around you, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, that means by the time he was stabilized, it says his disciples came unto him. So whenever God's bringing you somewhere, it's the evidence of you getting there is when people start to come around. When people start, to, okay, I'm set now, people start to come around. That's how you know you're there. And the Bible says, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. So you got to share what you know when people come around. Share what you know, because that's what's going to help them in the long run. Verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Leave people alone just that they don't know what they're saying and doing. God still loves them. Heaven's available to them. Pray for them. And give them some anointing that you got Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. That is, God said, those that are sad and broken, his Holy Spirit can redeem them and recuperate them. This is the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Don't miss key words. Comforted, comforter, Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Same thing. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meek don't mean weak. God already prepared the way, and that's your confidence in knowing that he's going to fight the battle, so you never take out the boxing gloves and try to attack. You just wait on the Lord. Me, you here here. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That is a person who knows they need to be sustained and hydrated by God's promises, word, and truth, and so you continue believing, trusting, and seeking every day. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Doing kind and good to one another throughout life is this. When you make the mistake, God will mark that on your reward list, and he will take away those sins. When you're good to somebody, God be good to you, especially when you need it the most. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Psalms 51, verse 10, 11, and 12. God will restore the heart if you ask him. He'll cleanse the spirit if you let him. He'll leave his Holy Spirit in you if you ask him. And he'll keep you 
some stain, but you have to ask for the pure heart so you see God in the end. That is the facts. Blessed are the peacemaker, for they shall be called the children of God. Make sure every conversation ends with a win on both sides of the fence for everybody. Whether they're right or wrong, let God do the judging. Because God knows that they're poor in spirit. So they still can get to heaven. And he redeems them. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. People get out there and lose their lives for Jesus and you know it. We don't have to go no further. There are people preaching Christ, and you know it. And let's get a little bit deeper before I go on. This is the deeper aspect of it. Protestant, Methodist, Lutheran, Seventh-day Adventist, etc., etc., etc. We don't know if God has chose them, so we don't got the right to judge them. But the Bible says, I have sheep in every flock and in every fold. That's why I don't judge them. Because God said he has people in those places. Some of them have the Holy Spirit. I remember I met the, uh, the Archbishop Desmond Tutu his last time here in America. Um, and I went and watched him. He's a Catholic. And I got his book and I met him. And I have never in my whole entire life on planet Earth felt that much peace come out. Not stay in, come out of a man. It filled the whole arena till I felt high. And I know every single person there felt high because God has chosen him out of that flock. It's the evidence of God being theirs when you feel them. That man didn't say hardly three words. Desmond Tutu couldn't hardly talk, and his English is terrible, and his accent is thick. I couldn't understand hardly nothing. But the second he said, praise God, I felt the Spirit of God. That's the evidence. So we can't judge nobody based on nothing. Because they're persecuted. We're doing that persecuting. I'm guilty. I did it with the Jehovah's Witness. Where they are using the name of God, so therefore, the name of God has been preached. The Father, Jehovah. Let's leave them alone. Let God be the judge. Because the poor is spirit. Period. Leave it to be that I'm poor spirit. You're trying to get under that. Okay, verse 11. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Answer is this. They, not, they have never been your soul or your mind, never spent the night in your body. They don't know the truth of nothing, even if they see the actions of it. So God will bless you because they don't understand what got you to the point you were at, and it could possibly be that you were poor in spirit. So the kingdom of God is available for you. So verse 12, rejoice, be exceeding glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets that were before you. And the Bible lets you know that not one chapter or verse was removed because of persecution. So our story and our lives and what God has for us will not be dampened or removed or deleted because of someone else's opinion about our lives or the sins we have committed. God has a sure end for us, and it is heaven itself and salvation. So let that be the message today. And uh, any questions, any comments, any statements, go ahead. It's Open floor. I see Matthew over there fellowshipping and still in straws. How do you still in straws? I know I got plates to draw. Hallelujah. Okay, offering plates over here. If y'all want to put something in it, it's okay. If you don't, it's okay too. I'm going to throw a little something in there myself here. Something this in there. And then uh, it's just for outreach. We're going to start doing outreach here in the next couple of months, God willing. And uh, we're going to start doing outreach in there. And so we're building money to be do outreach. Now, first, we're going to try to get some hot coffee and maybe some sandwiches and some word of God wherever. Oh, yeah. Uh, Curious. Yeah. Curious. Okay. And so that's the, that's the move. We did go buy some, some individual packets for coffee, so we'll be trying to do outreach soon. We're, you know, raising money to do it. It's all good. We, God, God, to God be glory. So uh, if there's nothing else, I'm going to pray, and, uh, and we'll be done for tonight. All right, hallelujah. Dear Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your everlasting word. Lord God, we thank you for your mercy and your forgiveness and your understanding that you give us every single day of our lives. Father, we are not worthy, but you called us worthy. We were not able, but you called us blessed. 
Hallelujah, Almighty God, it is you who redeem us and not us ourselves. Lord God, every single aspect of our lives and our souls and our bodies, Lord God, take full control. Bless David and his adventures in this life, that they be full of you and full of testimony and full of holiness and full of mystery and miracles and power and anointing. Bless Trocon and Sabaya with the same. Bless Trina with the fire from heaven to cleanse her soul and redeem her with power. Bless my wife and the anointing that you've given her to increase and grow. Bless little Matthew that he follows your footsteps and do exploits. Let Marlon to be redeemed, restored and made whole again and blessed and given the power and the anointing to continue to walk upright. Lord God, let these blessings be upon us tonight. Father God, only you can. It is you who give us strength and glory. It is you who give us understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. For wisdom and knowledge comes from your mouth, Almighty God. Bless us to fear you, Lord God. And you say in the Bible that fear is to hate evil and sin. Bless us to hate evil and sin so we be redeemed and receive wisdom, knowledge, understanding, and instruction. For it gives us length of days, long life, and durable riches according to the scripture. Let it be so, God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. If anybody want prayer, I got oil, I got time. If you don't, it's okay. I'm going to get it if you want it. It's up to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.